We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for buying the books. Thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Jane Enright, author of Butterside Up, How I Survived My Most Terrible Year and Created My Super Awesome Life. Jane and I will be appearing together on June 8th, 2022 at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco for more conversation, and we hope you will join us. The link for free tickets is in the show notes. Jane's journey starts with what most would consider a crisis. She was laid off from her job at a nonprofit. But her boss, a creative thinker, offered to work with her on a freelance basis. That was the start of a successful career that led to speaking and helping businesses, a career that would come to a halt after another crisis. One day, while at a volleyball tournament, an angry athlete hit the ball into the stands hitting Jane hard on the head. Jane consequently suffered a traumatic brain injury. She experienced a decline in cognitive function, affecting her memory and speech, and putting a stop to her previous activities. That same year, Jane's fiancé also suffered a traumatic brain injury that left him unable to walk or even to remember who Jane was. Jane's book, Butterside Up, chronicles her journey and the key ideas that helped her to successfully reinvent her life as an author. Now, instead of speaking, she writes her message. A forthcoming book, Jane's Jam, provides further ideas and inspiration for others to create their own super awesome life. In our conversation, Jane and I talk about the importance of deciding to step back and take inventory of your strengths, cultivate resistance and resilience, and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now, let's get better together. Jane Enright, welcome to the podcast. Jari, thanks for having me. I always, <laughs> you had me at hello. I always enjoy talking to you. you know, yeah, hello. Uh, I, appreciate to, I can't pretend I've never talked to you. That's before. true. That's no. true. Well, it's just funny because you're Canadian. And I always say when people say my name the first time, they say it the Canadian way. Yes, which is <laughs> Jari. Which is Jari. And it's yes. just so funny because I, I, I could see you pause and be like, I'm going to say his name right right now. <laughs> I did. So I said, you notice I specifically said Jari as yeah. in jar, but yeah. you're not a jar. You don't look right. like a jar. Right. If you were, you'd be a jar full of sunshine. That's, oh, that's what you thank you. I usually say jar full of ease, but yeah, that's awesome too. So, <laughs> okay. so uh, you are the author of Butterside Up. Um, we've met before through 
Brooke Warner over at She Writes Press. I've talked about Brooke. I love Brooke. We both love Brooke. She's also over at Spark Press, who's actually going to be the one that is going to publish my memoir about my life with the other Jane. Um, And we wanted to get together and chat because, one, we've had such a almost parallel life in one sense, you know, yes. and what you, what you're writing about in Butterside Up is all about resilience and how to handle challenges and struggles. And of course, every single entrepreneur has to do that. Um, it's just one of those things where it's so important that we talk about these things. And before we get into all that and unpack all that and the actual thing we're going to do together coming up soon, what I always like to say is tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Wow. Well, thanks. Thanks for that kind introduction. And I do truly always enjoy speaking with you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to our upcoming engagement uh, in conversation event on June 8th, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later. But in terms of how I got started, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur. First of all, I started as an entrepreneur. I started my own business because I got basically I got fired from my job. I got fired. I got laid off because they didn't have any more money to pay me. I worked for not for profit. And the government changed and they said, Jane, we love you and we love what you do, but we can't afford to pay you. So would you freelance? And that was almost 30 years ago. And I said, well, what's freelancing? What's that? You know, I was used to getting a paycheck every two weeks. So I sort of got like many people, something bad happened, but rather than wallow in self-pity, I said, okay, to my boss, how, you know, where do you think I should start looking for work? And she said, well, why don't you just come work for me, but work differently? She was a creative thinker. And uh, so best boss I ever had, Don Schumacher. So shout out to her if she's listening. But uh, so entrepreneur first, usually entrepreneurs are very creative people. After I started doing that, which I really enjoyed my career, I loved it. I, I spoke for a living. I went and talked around the world to people about uh, changing their business and, and improving and you know making more money and solving problems. And then I got hit in the head with volleyball and that changed everything. And uh, I was like Dory in Finding Nemo and I had trouble speaking and I had trouble remembering names and quickly realized that, you know, that, you know, multi, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars I was making because I was doing really well for myself wasn't going to come very easily because senior executives didn't want to pay me to ask them to, you know, put on a name tag. And uh, asked them to, you know, tell me their name. And boy, by the way, what did you say? It wasn't because I wasn't listening. It was because I couldn't hear what they were saying. And people didn't just didn't understand me for a while. So I thought, boy, I've got, I got to do something. So I got pushed into writing rather than talking. So it's sort of a bit of a miracle. I'm, I'm talking to you. And I, I don't actually speak to people in person very often, unless I feel really comfortable. So thank you for helping me feel comfortable in my new role. Cause, cause it's not always easy to switch gears. So no. I I'm here cause I had to switch gears. I had to change because my life changed. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. that would, that would be considered when you got hit in the head, a traumatic brain injury. Is that what they call it? Yes. Yeah. And I'd like to say it was an accident, but it wasn't. I mean, oh. we found out years later that wow. the the boy, the young man that hit me, um, he didn't hit it into the stands to hit me intentionally. Like he didn't aim the ball at me and drill it at my head, but he was angry. He was angry with, it was a sporting event. He was angry, you know, and sports can get pretty intense, right? You know, we see lots of fights sometimes in sports, people pushing and shoving each other. And he was, he was upset about a call or he was upset about something. And he just said, oh, you know, I'm going to fire, drill this ball in a stand. So his action, you know, made, changed my life forever. The good news is, is that I took that and I changed my life forever in a good way. But boy, I really had to, to really um, think about and rethink my, my whole entire life after that, because a whole bunch of other stuff to happen too. that's butter side up. It's, it's how to land butter side up instead of butter side down. Yeah. I mean, in an instant, Life changes like that. Wow. Sudden wrap. I did not drove my kid to a volleyball tournament and was getting ready to score the game and watching him in the stands turned into this, you know, horrific, uh, horrific uh, event in my life. But you know what? The good news is, is that I don't like to dwell on that. I mean, that's the thing about our brains, you know, and you talked about 
we, of course, we talked about what are we going to talk about, right? <laughs> Our podcast, right? Like, let's, let, let's not beat around the bush here. You know, you, you want to be prepared. When you said, Jane, can we talk about being uncomfortable? You know, how do you handle being uncomfortable? That was one of the most uncomfortable moments in my life when I found out that this kid, it wasn't an accident. That's, and forgiveness, right? And, and acceptance and dealing with that. So I very quickly started learning about the power of acceptance. And acceptance is very different than forgiveness. Acceptance to me is saying, hey, this happened. I'm not happy about it. You don't have to be happy about it. It's like a pandemic. We don't have to be happy about how COVID has come and changed our lives and mucked up. I said mucked, mucked up plans. You know, yeah, this is an adult show. You could say the other adult. one. <laughs> That's right. And you know, thank you for that. I was actually a shout out to Leslie um, Covey, Leslie J- or Leslie Jane Seymour with the Covey Club. And she said, Jane, we're all adults here. You can use big words. But, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Use the big words. Put on your big, big pants. There's <laughs> big words. But I do, I, I do like to say mocked because a lot of people now are pretty angry about how COVID came and mocked up their life. And they have every right, you have every right to, to be angry about it. But at a certain point, you can become like a hamster on a wheel and be uncomfortably uncomfortable all the time. And, and so it really was acceptance for me that, holy shoot, this, this has happened. And I really have to think about what I'm going to, you know, how I'm going to reinvent myself here because it doesn't look like I'm going to be talking for a living. Now, the good news is, is I worked with a speech pathologist which I recommend anybody do if you have any sort of uh, a concussion, but I'm still an entrepreneur. I'm just doing things differently, right? I'm writing about my experience and I'm using my experiences to help others. I'm looking as many do after a traumatic journey, like you or anybody else, we look for meaning, like why me? Why did this happen? You know, it wasn't just one thing. It was three three really super awful things in a, in a terrible year. So right. yeah, that search for meaning. So, so yeah, I just, I've been pushed, pushed in that direction. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you're never quite ready for the next thing. I mean, yeah. I always find that fascinating because as entrepreneurs and, you know, you as an authorpreneur, and like I always like to say, it's mm-hmm. like, you don't know that you don't know what's going to happen on the journey. Yeah. And if you're not, comfortable being uncomfortable with that and like how that's going to work. It's, it's going to be miserable and, and miserable. You know, a lot of people say, well, look, if it's miserable, just don't do it. Well, there's just certain parts of life, like to your point. Okay. I get hit in the head. Mm-hmm. My life changes in an instant. I could sit there and wallow in self-pity and be in my own private pity party and do all the bad things that I should, I could have done. I could have gone down the rabbit hole. I mean, you literally oh, could have yeah. gone down the I was the same way. I mean, I actually went a little bit farther down the rabbit hole uh, than you did with, when, with, with the other, you know, with my wife, Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just find that, I don't know. I mean, the resiliency of adapting and, hey, this is the lot, the lot I'm in. You know what? I could be angry and upset and you have every right to be, but that's never productive. And I'm just curious. I mean, did you... Was there some sort of like reconciliation of forgiveness or, I mean, how, how do you come to terms with that? Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. So I talk about acceptance a lot. So, you know, and I've actually got it, you know, I've got these little quotes in my book, like these little sort of footnotes, but you know, I talk about acceptance is a first step towards navigating change of any kind, especially the rapid unexpected change. Like, you know, you could, it could be your spouse walking in the door and calling the game, right. And saying, guess what, honey, I I don't want to be married to you anymore. That happens, right. It could be the passing of a loved one untimely. We We know we're all going to pass. We just don't know when we don't know how much time we have. And that, that in itself brings fear. Okay, so accepting a new reality doesn't mean that you have to like it or be happy, but what it does mean, it puts you into away from that resistance and rejection. Okay, it's like this isn't happening. You know how people put their their fingers in their ears and go, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) It's like, no, God, please, this isn't happening to me. This can't be happening. I mean, that happens. I mean, I'm sure when you found out about Jane, there was 
there was like, well, holy shit. Like, yeah. why is this happening? To I didn't, I didn't want to believe it. You didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe that this was happening. I also didn't want to believe that my, my, um, my partner, who was my fiance at the time, yeah. nine months after that had his own catastrophic brain injury. Right. He woke up 10 days after a semi-coma and said to me, you know, gee, everybody's, I can't remember who anyone else, anyone is here, but you know, are you a nurse? Cause you're mm. the nicest and the prettiest. Wow. That like, okay. So first the, the, the head, then right. his head. And then what do you, okay. So it's bad enough that, you know, this happened, but what do you mean? You don't remember who I am. Yeah. What do you mean? You don't remember meeting me. Wow. What do you mean? What do you mean? He didn't remember sleeping with me. He's a guy. <laughs> like, hey, now that's no, only partially true. <laughs> come on, but but really, no, agree, agree, no, agree. But, 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 but you know what I mean. So, so again, thankfully, after he looked at me, and he had at least his sense of humor was intact, and he's still a great guy, and I'm still very close to him. We're not you know, partners, partners, and we're not getting married, but we still look out for each other. And he looked at me and he said, I live with you. I sleep with you. I'm a lucky son of a bitch. (laughs) And we live there. Yeah. Wow. You know what? Wow. He saved it. He He saved it because his sense of humor was still intact. And after that, I thought if I don't use, first of all, if I don't use my sense of humor and I just don't accept that this has happened, I treated it honest to goodness. I, uh, Jari, sorry, I was going to call you Yari, Jari. I treated it like a project. I call it project memory. And I said, my goal is to get this ritual. Thank goodness I had the presence of mind and I'd had my own experience with a head injury to understand it wasn't him. It was his brain that wasn't working and not take it personally, because there's a lot of people on the other end of that message that would take it personally and say, well, what do you mean you don't remember me? How dare you? Right. You can't do that. You have to step back and say, look at things in a big picture perspective. So totally. it was, yeah, totally. No, that's so powerful. I, yeah. I mean, there's just so many parallels to entrepreneurship and to life when you talk about yeah. something happens and now you have to deal with it. And the way you deal with it is, I mean, you have a choice and it's interesting because, yes. you know, like, like you mentioned, I remember when, for, when Jane first got diagnosed and I'm like in the hallway of this hospital we're in and we're on like the I think we we're on the cardiac ward. I mean, it was just this disaster situation because, you know, it was like the day after Christmas. And so it was just this, oh. this whole place was a shit show. We had to wait yeah. three days in the hospital for her to get her biopsy. Right. Yeah. And in the and hallway, it's noisy. It's, it's just, noisy. Yeah. Nobody can sleep. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. I was remember tried to build a bed on these chairs and it was just, yeah. a, it was a disaster. I mean, and I'm sitting there on the phone because of course I got to call people. Right. Yeah. And I'm in, I'm in the, the hallway on the phone and I'm just like dialing constantly, you know, getting people up to speed or whatever, and just saying the same exact story over and over and over again. Yeah. And I remember like talking to someone and I'm like, yeah, I don't think they're right. You know, the flu is going around. I don't know. I, I yeah. just don't get it. You know, this doesn't seem right. And they're like, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes these things happen. It's just, it should be okay. Don't worry about it. But I was literally in like go mode. There was yeah. no, it was like, how do I solve this problem? Yes. Right? It's what is the problem ahead of us and how do we solve it? And I know like, you know, if, if I hadn't done that, you know, it would have been a lot worse. Cause, because one thing that that does is those emotions, they get buried in a big lead box. Yes, <laughs> you put it at the bottom of the ocean yes, you and do. I'm not going there until I have to. <laughs> it's like a message in a bottle, right? It's just oh, like, yeah, let's it's... put them all in the bottle and let's yeah. throw it in the ocean. I'll pretend this never happened. I'll pretend but, this never happened. Yeah. But you're right. And I think, and that's a great segue into, you know, I'm really happy we're talking about this in a business context in a way, because of this is a business podcast. But what I think a lot of people don't understand that 
great entrepreneurs, great leaders understand how to pivot. They understand how to switch gears. They understand how to look at the big picture. They understand how to respond to their markets quickly and effectively, or else they're going to be out of business very quickly. Peter Drucker, one of the most famous you know, experts on organizational change, I had the pleasure and privilege of meeting him um, and hearing him speak. And I asked him a question and I put it in the book. I said, Peter, you know, Mr. Drucker, if you could tell me one thing you've learned about life, what would it be? And he said, looked at me, he said, Jane, nobody likes a change but a wet baby. Okay. But when we're an entrepreneur and we have our own business and we look at the big picture and we use our executive thinking skills, change happens much more easily and we can roll with the punches. Okay. Why has somebody been in business for 50 years? Why has somebody's business survived during COVID where somebody has, somebody's has not, you know, sometimes things aren't meant to continue for our whole entire lives. They're meant to change. But if we take those skills that we use, like those SWATs, I did a SWAT. That's how I got through with, with Clayton the neurologists and the neurosurgeons, I had four or five of them. I said, you know, on a scale of one to seven, you know, I used the, you know, the, the survey research tools that I've been taught on a scale of one to seven, how likely is it that this guy's going to recover? You know, how likely it is, is it that he's going to have long-term damage? How serious is this injury? Okay. So I did my environmental scan. I talk about it in Butterside Up. I did my scan very quickly, my strengths, my weaknesses, my opportunities and threats. Had I not taken my business skills and transferred them into my personal life that was in crisis, like you, I would not have gone through it. So I applaud you. But it's oftentimes those feelings and emotions are so strong, we often kind of check out and, and, oh, yeah. and forget that we all have these things inside us. We all have right. the ability. Michael Singer talks about our inner critic, and you do too, in endurance the endurance tweet, uh, right. hashtag tweet. I love your book. You talk about endurance and you talk about how building resilience through challenge helps strengthen you. Mm-hmm. So we're faced with cha- we're, stuff with four letters ending in a T happens to all of us. It's how yeah. you respond that matters. Right, right. So it's not how you, so, so that's going to make the difference between getting you out of stuff. And once you accept that, all stuff happens to all of us and we're all going to have stuff. It's just different. Like we're all carrying a different set of luggage on our journey. Um, You know what? It makes it a little bit easier. And then the why me stuff, like I felt like I was in the principal's office all the time. So like, it felt like I was getting reprimanded for something. Like, was I a bad person in a former life? Like, did I, who did I, you know, who did I, you know, Take off up, upstairs. Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> like, right, like, right. Like, what happened? Like, yeah. are you upstairs? Like, why? Am I being punished? Yeah, exactly. Because oftentimes when we go on this endurance, you know, we're being tested. We're being tested. And, and the test for me was, okay, Jane, are you going to wallow in self-pity? Are you going to become a victim? Or are you going to use your skills? And I sat down, I thought about it objectively. And I thought, I've got everything I need inside me right now as a former project manager and strategic planner to get us out of this, to get not just him, but me, because I was still recovering. But had I not, had I not used my entrepreneurial skills, uh, it probably wouldn't have been as successful as it was. Yeah. I mean, gosh, having your own traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. and then nine months later, eight months later, your partner has an even more severe traumatic oh, yeah. brain injury yeah. and not remember, not him, not remembering you. And like the, all of those emotions. I mean, I'm just, I mean, it's one, it's impressive that you, you know, a lot of people would crumble under that. Um, You're right. They would. And thank you for noticing. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, really, I mean, and I've seen it. I mean, and even, you know, when I was dealing with, with Jane's illness and, you know, I had, trained myself i mean through physical hardship and struggle and like really embracing this idea of the only easy day was yesterday and you really had you have to practice um resilience right because what happens is you never rise to the occasion you fall to your training you really do like i've never seen anyone like rise to the occasion that hasn't been trained to do so and when i mean trained i mean like you put yourself in very uncomfortable positions Yes. physically and mentally 
and then just see what happens, right? And that is a skill and a muscle that needs to be flexed because if you don't and you find yourself in this position like this, you could latch up and you see that a lot. You know what? I I really like your thinking. You and I are very like-minded in that because we are hardwired. I mean, whether some people will say, well, that's woo-woo stuff, Jane, that's all spirituality. Like, <laughs> it's all, okay, woof, you know, like airy fairy stuff, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. What a great <laughs> like, line. <laughs> but if you look at the science of it, there's hard science there that, well, like stuff like James Clear and Rick Hansen and, um, you know, Robert Emmons at the University of California at Berkeley, like all three of those researchers and Renee Brown, to a certain extent, too, talking about shame. Our brains are hardwired to remember the bad stuff. Okay. And you talk a lot about this in your book, the, uh, the endurance trait and about building resilience. It's the inner critic. We also are judged harshly by others who have not walked in our shoes. Okay. So never again in my life, I, I always thought I was a very non-judgmental person. Like I always tried to put myself, when my kids were growing up, I'm blessed to have fabulous sons. They're, they're absolutely awesome, super awesome guys. And if I could, I, I didn't have all the answers, but if they would come to me with a question that I couldn't answer, I'd just say to them, I'd say, well, guys, treat others as you want to be treated. And if you don't, know how you'd respond to something, think about how the other person is on the other end of it and how they'd feel. Okay. And getting back into this entrepreneur scenario, right? As business people, we all do that. We have to put ourselves in our customer's space, right? Like how are you going to receive the messages that I'm delivering about my product or my service or what I'm talking about? Same thing in life, right? How is my network around me? How, first of all, how am I going to use that to my advantage? And you talk a lot about this in your book about support network. And I can tell you, I think the hardest part for me in this whole journey has been not only did my whole life change, my career and, and my relationship with my uh, former partner, which would, and, and also my best friend, we haven't even got into that one that happened, but yeah, true. But my friendships changed because people around me were uncomfortable with what was happening to me. And you may have gone through that same thing. The people that sometimes you think, like it could be your, if you're in business, it could be your employees. Yeah. I had that happen, long-term employee. You thought, oh boy, I can really trust that person. Then something happened. I thought, mm-hmm. Mm, mm-hmm. maybe not. Mm-hmm. Same thing with friendships. You know, when people get divorced, Research has shown, I forget the, the researcher, the exact researcher that did the study, but like 40%, when you get divorced, 40% of, of people normally lose the friends that they had. And it's nothing, it's nothing you did. It's that they're uncomfortable with what happened. Same thing with death and dying, same thing with loss and trauma. That's why people, that's why when you're going through these things, you really have to be mindful. You have to think about, okay. If somebody reacts to what it could be change, good or bad, but if somebody is not helping you in the way you thought or letting you feel like you should feel and supporting you, that's when you need to be mindful and say, you know what, I need to change. I need to switch gears. I either need to find a support group where people have gone through this, or I need to read some books, or I need to be meditating. I need to be you know, filling my space with the good, finding the good. And that's what, that's what, you know, James Clear and Rick Hansen talk about that resilience, that building that resilience. We are just like you are what you eat. You are what you think. Yep. And if you've got people filling your space with, you know what, gee, uh, you know, I don't think I can handle this for goodness sake, switch it up. And, and that was the hardest thing for me is having to, it changed my whole, whole life it changed my whole life yeah no that's so true I, yeah i had similar experience i mean one of the things that was really powerful is that uh you know i was divorced before i met jane mm-hmm. and i really didn't have a lot of friends i had acquaintances but i didn't really have a network of fo- a support network right yeah and i remember when i first i first met jane i mean i was in a bad spot <laughs> like you know 
bad spot as you can imagine. Um, and, you know, she really encouraged me to find that support network outside of her yeah. and building this capacity because, you know, you know, everyone kind of poo-poos the whole, it takes a village thing, you know, but, but it, does. it does. It does. I mean, you can't really rely on your partner for all of your emotional support. Not only yeah. is that not good in general, but like that's a single point of failure in my opinion. Like, and again, from an engineering background, I'm always thinking like systems, really weird yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. And I, I do recall several people that just could not handle the fact mm-hmm. that Jane they died. were, they were uncomfortable and they 100%. were uncomfortable. They like me were uncomfortable with the journey that oh, let's call it the, cause I call it the journey. I become, I'm, I'm much more spiritual. I'm spiritually minded. And again, it's not that woo woo stuff, you know, but <laughs> it's, it's just it. the fact that when spirituality is finding meaning, you know, looking for a deeper, greater sense yes. of meaning, that's yes. my definition. Yeah. So, so this is something I would really is a very important point. I think when we're talking about navigating the unexpected and uncomfortable situations is first of all, I was one of those people that used to blame myself for a lot of stuff. Like, like, what did I say? Like, what did I do? And and sometimes you muck up, right? Sometimes you say stuff you shouldn't say. Yeah. 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 Cause I'm we're, very we're not, straightforward. We're not without fault. I mean, yeah, no, that's no. true. Good point. Yeah, like beat around, don't beat around the bush. Just come right out and say it. Call a spade a shovel. Like, like, you know, if you're upset with me, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I don't, but I'm just like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but a lot of people don't, don't like that. So, but anyway, but, what I learned quite when I read after I read the untethered soul with Michael Singer, it's like, pull out the thorn, like stop telling yourself. It's always you. If you really sat back and thought about it, it's, and, and again, if, when I started doing reading about this, it's not just your feelings. It's there's the science part of it about the psychology, about how people think. Right. And so that's how I started. I've always been a positive person, but that's when I really learned about, the power of positive thinking and having a more optimistic attitude. So it's like holding the glass, right? Um, it, Mark Turnoff, Mark and Angel Turnoff have read a, a, written a fabulous book about a thousand habits that people, happy people have, or I can't remember the title of it. But they talk about holding the glass, okay? So you can look at the glass as half full or half empty. But then if you look at it half full, the pessimistic person will say, well, how, how, how long do you have to hold the glass, right? How long you hold the glass and how full that glass is depends on your attitude. If you're constantly filling your cup with stuff, uncomfortable stuff that people said to you and taking it personally and internalizing this, the cup becomes heavier and heavier and heavier. At some point, you got to let it go. Right. And that's where the acceptance part comes in. It helps you let go. It helps you become a more flexible thinker. And so does that outside and thinking that big picture, that entrepreneur sort of mindset where it, look at it with a larger lens, look at it, sit. If you've got a problem and you're, it, that's weighing you down, sit outside of it. Think of it. Okay. If I was a friend, if I was my friend, we used to do that in survey research all the time. When we ask people questions, we don't ask it directly. We always say, what would you tell a friend or if you were that person's friend or what do you think your friend would say? Cause it makes it more comfortable for them to answer. Right. So yeah. huh. make yourself, point. make yourself more comfortable, sit outside of it, sit in the audience and say, if I was my friend and they were looking at this situation, how, what would I say? And I was, you know, I, I was advising them. What, what would I say? What would I say to myself as my friend, hmm. your friend, don't be your critic. Be your yeah. Friend. Well, I mean, or be a friend to yourself. Yeah. There was someone, yourself. I think it was another Canadian. <laughs> I think it was Jordan Peterson. Good idea. Ah, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. And, and good maple syrup and, yeah. and other things. <laughs> and polar bears. And, and polar bears. And lots and, of snow. And yeah. poutine and all oh, that. Gosh. Stuff. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, But I think it was Jordan Peterson who said, you know, and I think I'm paraphrasing where, you know, treat yourself like someone that you have to take care of. Yes. I don't know the exact thing. And I know people have, you know, their thoughts about him, but it's it just interesting because it's true. I mean, what I always say um, is like, you know, I love the line, put on your own oxygen mask first before you yes. help others. 
Yes. And be your own flight attendant. Be your own flight. <laughs> I love it. That's that's a good one too. But but the reason is, is I think you can't really help others if you can't help yourself. Yeah. And exactly. of course, there's limitations and there's, but people sometimes misconstrue that as being selfish. Mm-hmm. Oh, they right. did like self-care is selfish. It's not. Yeah, it's not because I think in order to give that capacity to someone else, you have to make sure that you are in the right, your right mind. And I remember, yes. I think, well, one of many saving graces for the situation I was in was one, I had a group of people that loved me that mm-hmm. I could count on. I had okay. built that over the preceding years. I had an attitude of resilience because I had practiced being extremely uncomfortable, cold, wet, sandy, miserable, sleep deprived, the whole, yeah. the whole nine. Were you like, a Navy SEAL? I like, was not a Navy SEAL. <laughs> you no, SEAL or your Ranger? Wait, wait, no, wait. no, I was none of that. Yeah. No, I, okay. I had done these uh, extreme endurance events that oh, simulated okay. that stuff. I mean, oh, okay. I'm a fan of all that. And I have friends that do all that, that, you know, tomfoolery, but I, yeah. I just was really, I had realized that pushing yourself physically, um, made you mentally tougher. Yes. And, and there was, there's for correlations some, there. for some, well, yeah. I think, I think for everyone, but it, it it's in different ways. And what I mean by physically pushing yourself, it's, oh, wow. I like, it could just be, I've never run around the block and you run around the block. And then you're like, well, if I could run around the block, I could probably run two laps around the block. And so this resi- this building up of this endurance, right? This resilience, this attitude of when things come at me, yes, these sucks. I hate this. But in order for me to rise to the occasion, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to fall back to my comfort zone in the training, especially under stressful situations. I mean, this is the reason why people in extreme, uh, very high performing teams in the military, even sports teams, they train harder than they play. And the reason yes. they train harder than they play is because, I mean, like you're training five to seven times more than you're playing the game. Why is that? Because when you're mm-hmm. playing the game and you're tired and you have all these things thrown at you, you're not, you're one, you have muscle memory and what to do, but yeah. two, you have the capacity to fall back on that training. You're like, okay, I know what to do. Yes, you exactly. Don't, you don't want to be figuring that stuff out when the plane's on fire. <laughs> like no. You're like, oh, no. Oh, okay. And, and there's people that have done it. And that's what, you know, first of all, I mean, you're bringing up some great points. First of all, you're giving yourself an attaboy note too, right? Like you're saying to you, you know, good for me. Like, you know what? I got through that because if I, if I got through that endurance, you know, stress test, I can get through this and I look at other people. And again, that's putting yourself outside the, outside the audience. And that's being mindful. Like look at somebody like Terry Fox. Okay. I'm a Canadian girl. My hero is Terry Fox. I don't know if you know who Terry Fox is, but he is extraordinary. He was an extraordinary Canadian. Um, in the 80s, he, at 21, he developed uh, cancer in his leg. And he, right, he his lost leg. his leg. Yeah, He lost his leg. Yeah. He then proceeded to do a marathon of hope with a prosthetic on his leg. Like you can imagine in the 80s, they didn't have the technology <laughs> no, that they was, do now. Not yeah. like that guy that ran the Yeah, the marathon, blade guy. Yeah, the, the blade, blade guy. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. it was horrible back then. Horrible yeah. stuff. But uh, Jari, he he ran the equivalent of 26 miles a day, a day for not just days, but months across Canada through wind, through sleep, through snow, through heat. Okay. He did it because he said when he sat in that cancer ward, he, they put him in the kid's ward because he developed it when he was 18. He said, I never want to see anybody else go through what I had to go through. So I'm going to start this journey because I want people to wake up and smell the coffee. And he said he ran to not only raise awareness, but to help others understand that you can overcome anything. And he said, just because you get diagnosed with something awful doesn't mean you can't survive and thrive. He basically, I talk about it in my new book, James Jam. I've got Butter Side Up, but I've also got a new book coming out in the fall called James Jam, uh, Inspiration to Create Your Super Awesome Life. And I talk about inspirational people. And Terry's one of my heroes because, again, he didn't say, poor me. He, he took that, he said he was angry about it, 
but he took that energy. We all, we're all made up of energy, but it's how we choose to respond to situations. It's a choice we make. Took that energy and channeled it into something very positive. So now worldwide, we've got Terry Fox marathons, Terry Fox stuff that happens every September, Marathon of Hope. You'll see little kids at schools running, you know, and he not only changed Canada, but he changed the world. So I always think like people like that are inspirational to me because I always think, well, shoot, I'm going, yeah, I'm going through stuff that's hard and sad and tough and not so nice and traumatic. But look at somebody like that. Look at somebody that had to endure the Holocaust. I mean, it could always be, I always say it could always be worse, right? Like I, I mean, yeah, it's not good, but it could always be worse. And, and, you know, that is when you're in it and you're in the, the soup, then the nut case, whatever situation you're in, it's hard yeah. to have that perspective, obviously. Yeah. But I do think the more you challenge yourself to be, well, I don't know how to put this. It, it's like anything you're going to, if you wanted to like lift weights and get stronger, right. You get, you, you know, you can do that. If you want to be more resilient, you want to be more uh, adaptable, you have to put yourself in those situations, albeit, of course, you never want your loved one to have a T- no. you know, TBI. You never want your loved one to have cancer. Yeah. But like stressing that will allow you to get through it. And the people that get through it, there's ones that find themselves in this situation. They're just like, okay, I guess this is the new reality. There's some that never get through it. You see That's some right. of those people too, and you, you just see them in... I remember in the cancer cancer ward over at Stanford, you know, I mean, <laughs> Jane and I are like working as she's getting, as she's getting checked. We're like banging yeah. on the keyboard phone. Yeah. Like we're yeah, like, like life goes on. Okay. Like, so yeah. and they're like, who the hell are these people? Like you're yeah. taking a business call in this infusion center. And she's yeah. just like jamming away. Like it's nothing. And everyone's just yeah. looking at us like, who are these people? But that was her jam because you know jam, what? Yeah you guys have a very different attitude. So just as we take care of our bodies, we need to take care of our minds. I talk about emergency preparedness for your mind, right? COVID is change that can change its mind anytime. It's change. It's unplanned change on steroids, right? We all have day-to-day happenings. Like we all have things that are happening, like with our children, with our loved ones, our parents, you know, we're maybe caring for people with COVID. There's been, you know, the death you know, around the world are, have been astronomical. Put a pandemic on top of loss, you know, people, relationships, breaking up, making up, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. But the other thing too, is when you're going through all this stuff, you have to say, you know, loss, you can treat loss very differently. Loss can be, loss is sad and it's okay to be, it's okay to not be okay. I'm not saying be artificially happy, but having a more optimistic attitude, like having more of a gratitude, you know, uh, for what you have. And as simple as the sun is shining today, or thank goodness I'm still breathing today. Like when Clayton was in the hospital, I would say, you know, and he got into those pity party moments and that was his right to do that. But I'd say, sure. you know what, for goodness sake, I gave him my life doesn't have to be difficult lecture. That's chapter eight. I said, for goodness <laughs> sake, do you know how hard I've worked to get you into rehab? Yeah. This, this is part of the journey. Like they didn't want to admit him because he forgot right. everything. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And I yeah, said, yeah. like you SOB, <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. I got you this far. Yeah. Yeah. Like stop. Fuck up, buttercup, get your shit together and let's move. Exactly. You know, first of all, you can walk. Yeah. Uh, You know, you can walk, you need a walker, but you know what? If you, if you practice, you might not need that walker. You can breathe. You don't need a tube. You don't need a tube to breathe. You don't need it. You know, you don't need an IV every day. You, you know, you've been given a chance to have your life, be grateful for your life because that those are those make or break moments when you have to say, okay, are you going to be a victim? Yeah. You know, and it's okay to be, it's okay to be sad. Like, don't, oh, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying don't, because oh, right. I was sad. But then you say, okay, can I let go of that label? Because we give ourselves labels like, you know, I have a disability. I have, you know, I'm an addict or in recovery or, yeah. you know, I'm a divorcee or I'm a widower. Mm-hmm. It's okay to do that. But at a certain point, you can't, you get stuck. 
sometimes, right? And that's why people get stuck. And that's why people get uncomfortable because they're uncomfortable with what comes next. Mm. The fear of the unknown sometimes and changing yeah. it up and taking yes, chances yes. For, is, is very, very much yeah. what I talk about in Butter Side Up is overcoming fear of the unknown. Like, yeah. I won't give away the whole book, but I had to <laughs> yeah, you gotta very, come. very, well, I mean, you got to come choices. Yeah. You got to come hear us talk about it on June 8th at the Commonwealth. That's right. Which exactly. we'll put so, a link in the show notes for free tickets and you get to see both of us live. How cool is that? How, how cool, cool is, is that? that? Jari and Jane. But the other thing too, is, you know what I like, I always like to leave on a high note because I am a walking, talking infomercial for change. Mm-hmm. Did I ever, when I was growing up, when I was sitting in my room, reading my Nancy Drew books, did I ever say, Oh, I'm going to write a book someday. Right? No, no, really? No, no never. I never no. wanted to become an author. I thought, boy, that's, I respected people that did that, but I never right. said, I'm going to do that. Out of something hard and sad and bad came something super good. First of all, I never would have met you. I never would have been, I never would be going to San Francisco for a super awesome book launch. I never would have met these, become an author had all of this happen and started a whole, whole new career that I love and met all these incredible people all around the world right? and had the opportunity to leave the world a better place than I found it. Yeah. Wow. With that, I think we'll end Jane. Okay. Thank you so much. I can't wait for our June 8th event. It's going to be so much fun. It is. We're excited about it. I think we all have to talk more about these difficult things and know that there's, help out there that you're not alone and that it's really important that you try to lead the most super awesome life you can. That's right. It's, we all deserve it and we we all have the power to create it on some level. And you're an example of that too. And you inspire me and thank you so much for having me on your show. I love what you're doing and I can't wait for June 8th at the Commonwealth club. And we need to tell people how to register for this. We will, we'll put a link in the show notes. So we'll have that. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be heartfelt. There's going to be some heartfelt moments, but you know what? Life's about that, right? You can't have the good with the bad. They have to have the bad with the good or the good with the bad or whatever. I'm missing the uh, mixing up my analogies, but I also think it's not scary. Like don't, don't avoid the difficult, challenging things because you're afraid of them. You know, you could lean into it or whatever you want to say, but like embrace that because you can do it. You can you do can. it. You've got it inside you. You can. We'll have those Barbara Walters moments, but we'll also have those. <laughs> we'll have those Louise Hay moments where we'll say, "You can do it." She wrote a book. I can do it. I can do it. Awesome! Can't wait to do the event. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you. Stay super awesome. Thanks, Jane, for uh, coming on the show and writing such a great book. I am so looking forward to our conversation on June eighth, where we dig a little bit more into how to be uh, resilient and to have the skills to, I don't know, deal with the stuff that comes at you in life. (laughs) So um, as promised, here are some actionable insights, at least a few. We're going to talk obviously more on June 8th, but here are some actionable insights that I learned from my awesome interview with Jane. Acceptance is the first step to navigating change. Jane says, acceptance will help you to move beyond denial and resistance. So, yes, uh, you got to accept the situation you're in. A lot of entrepreneurs um, sometimes don't do that, and that's when things go south. Or when things go south, they think things will get better by not doing anything. So, ask these simple questions to yourself. What situation am I in, right? I need to accept the situation that I'm in. Can I accept the situation I'm in? Sometimes you just got to take a step back and say, okay, look, all right. All right, take a breath. Let's just figure this out, right? So always remember that the situation you're in is the situation you're in. You you have some control over it, but if it's coming at you, it's coming at you. Like you got to do something. Try to step back and look at what's happening objectively. See it as a project to manage or problem to solve rather than engaging in self-pity or blame. Jane talks about how she takes stock of her strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities. She learned to apply what she learned working in business to the rest of her life. Another technique is ask yourself, if I were my friend, what would I say? And 
Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one as well. I mean, you know, always taking a step back, asserting kind of, okay, this is a situation I'm in and asserting, okay, I have some control over this, right? Sometimes you don't, greed, don't, like, I get it. But yeah, I mean, try to take it from the other angle. If you were trying to help someone else, what would what would you say? I love that. What would I say to them, my friend? Treat yourself as maybe your friend. Maybe that'll get you out of that negative mindset. Strengthen yourself for challenges by cultivating a positive attitude and noticing when you are grateful for stuff in your life. Purposely challenge yourself by trying new things to build resilience. This will help you better navigate the hard times. And, you know, yeah, that's true. Uh, you got to oh, you gotta practice. I know it sounds a little weird. <laughs> like, how do I practice being resilient? How do I practice this? Well, you got to pull out of your comfort zone. So ask yourself a couple of questions like, what's my comfort zone? Am I in, you know, how often am I in it? Is there something I can do to kind of practice moving in and out of that comfort zone? It's really important to practice these things. I don't know, again, it sounds silly, but you remember I always say, you never rise to the occasion, you always fall to your training. And that's 100% true. So there you have it. Some actionable insights I learned from my awesome interview with Jane. Hopefully, if you're in San Francisco, you'll be able to join us on June 8th, the Commonwealth Club of San Francisco, for a conversation, which will be super fun. And thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.